welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Rishi and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Nick Delijanis at Audrey's in Sorrento. For me, eating seafood while looking out to sea is what it's all about. And so Audrey's at the iconic Continental in Sorrento is my dream come true. The dining room is divine. Art deco curves, coastal palette, sunshine streaming in and a view of the sea. Plus, Audrey's is part of Scott Pickett's repertoire of incredible restaurants and I'm a long-time fan of Scott and his restaurants. While I've not actually sat down and chatted to Scott for conversation with a chef, I have spoken to a lot of his head chefs and I've had some fangirl moments with Scott at openings. Audrey's is an ode to Scott's grandmother and the fisherman's basket fun times they shared and the passion for food and cooking that she instilled in Scott. Audrey's is helmed by Nick Delajanis. 2023 Young Chef of the Year, and it couldn't be in better hands. I spoke to Nick when I was helping compile broadsheets home, filled with recipes foodies could cook when in lockdown. I knew then that this was a young chef who loved what he was doing and had a passion for the industry in general. I was delighted to get the chance to sit down with Nick and hear more, and I absolutely was not disappointed. This is a great conversation. Thanks so much. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Spoken to you on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've got really cold hands. It's so uh, uh, bracing out there. Welcome to Sorrento. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sorrento. Wow, it's so beautiful. I was just yeah. looking at the photos online. It's oh, yeah. such a stunning uh, no, place. It's a stunning space, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. This is the, it's pretty much our main dining room. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I just love the curve, too, that Art yeah. Deco curve, isn't it? It's yeah. Uh, uh, it's just like yeah, it's very very coastal. Like I see when, when the start when the sun stops glaring and the fog sort of uh, goes away, uh, you can see the bay, you see the boats coming in and out. And uh, honestly, it's an, amazing, it's an amazing setup. Yeah, and those Norfolk pines and everything. It is pretty. It is iconic, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll put all the blinds up and we'll see. And uh. the, the, the whole the natural light that actually like streams through the actual dining room is actually it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Just with that stone as well. Gosh, it's just yeah, a lot of marble green. Oh, dreamy. And how many does it seat in here? Uh, we're doing 90 in the main dining room. Wow. We've got 13 seats in the bar. Uh, we've got a 32 seat private dining room. Yep. Which is just there. Wow. Uh, semi private dining. Um, yeah, like, our biggest, our biggest house is 10, but it's like pretty much in the main dining room, but it's just uh, off the bar there. Um, and we haven't activated the kitchen bar yet, but we can also do 10 seats there. So. A big service here is about 120 to 140. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and you get nights like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Winter is a bit harder, but like in summer, every, every day. Well, it was like January was probably one of the busiest months of my life. It was, wow. uh, it was incredible. And it's been open a year now, is it? Just over a year now. Yeah. Yeah, just over a year. So, uh, yeah, just prior to Easter last year. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you see Main Street Sorrento as well. And yeah. I'd like to live here. <laughs> Gosh, it's so beautiful and light, isn't it? Yeah. 
touch glaring for people sometimes. Yeah. So we we got, we got the um, uh, these blinds here that sort of like, you know sort of block out half the sun. With like especially off the off the promenade. So yeah. It's sort of just streak. You just sort of, sort of just you still hit through the. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh wow. So I have, so I have a lovely thing. So yeah. It's a beautiful diorama, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, congratulations on Young Chef of the Year oh, wow. and a hat and everything. Yeah. Really, yeah, that was amazing. Honestly, nailing like, it. Yeah, not just personally, but yeah, for the restaurant and yeah. the team. You know, we're like we're such a young team, and like, I'm so happy about people we actually have in the restaurant. Um, the culture we've developed and the people just you know work so hard and they deserve it. Yeah. They, they really do, and it's good, it's good to be recognised. Yeah, you know, um, we all work very hard, but um. Yeah, we couldn't ask for a better night, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it was, like, less than a year in from the awards last year. I just believe, like, there's no real ceiling for us in the in this room. Like, a room like this and a kitchen like that. So, you know, there's no, there's no ceiling. But, yeah. How amazing. I was just speaking to um, an omakase chef, and he's been, uh, he's been a chef for 28 years, and he said, but I'm still learning. Yeah, and, um, and I just love that idea that there is no ceiling and there is no... Um, there's no stop to what you can do and what you can learn and how far you can go. Oh, yeah. In, in an industry like this, in a country like this, uh, like, it's... You've been daft to think you know everything. Like, honestly, like, you know. And then if you do think you know everything, then, all right, move, move aside and let the rest of us learn. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. yeah. There's, no room for, there's no room for egos, you know. Everyone, everyone wants to learn. Everyone is learning. So, that's it. Just keep, keep cooking. Yeah. And how many in the kitchen? Um, we've got a quite a small team. There's only six of us at the moment. Um, we only we only do do the eight services during the week, so you know we all got to get our weekends still and, and everything. But um, during summer, we went up to about eleven chefs. Yeah. But in the continental itself, there's about forty. Oh. There's about forty chefs. Yeah. Because there's there's four kitchens, eight, eight outlets, and yeah, there's a lot of things going on. That's a beast. <laughs> oh, it's an animal. I've never seen so many people here at once in in January. Uh, in January, it was just nuts. You know? Yeah. Yeah. New Year's Eve, uh, school holidays. Yeah. You know, there was ten thousand people b- between Sorrento and Blair Gary, You know, yeah, so, yeah. Like, at the camping grounds or you know just like, even Main Street Sorrento. It's just it gets. Yeah. It gets, it gets big. Um, do you want to sit down? Yeah, there? let's do that. Uh, I reckon we just sit down in the corner over there. Okay. I'll just have the boys to get the voices out. <laughs> Thank you for your time. So have you got a lunch service today as well? Or? Uh, yeah, we do Sunday lunches. Yeah. Um, we've only really um, opened the Sunday dinner during our longer weekends when actually people are actually down here because, you know, being a coastal restaurant, being so far down the peninsula, like, like you can't really expect people to always be down here and... It is a seasonal place and destinational restaurant, so um, yeah, it's just a bit hard to always be open and available all those services, especially yeah. with such a little staff and whatnot. Yeah. So um, yeah, but it gives everyone their weekends, which is great. You know, there's Sunday nights and Monday Tuesdays off, so gives the chef a nice nice break and you know get ready for the rest of the week. And that's a big thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, there's so much talk around um, well-being and mental health and hospitality, and part of that is having proper breaks and working the right amount of hours. But um, I know that can be hard in kitchens, but that's awesome that they've got that time. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly right. Um, especially being a very young team as well. Like, mm. being social is very important to a, a lot of the team, you know, and um, like gone are the days of, you know, sacrificing your whole life for the industry. Obviously... Um, you get in what you you get in what you put in essentially, but um, when it comes when it comes to 
you know, balancing that work and life and socialising aspect, it, it's, it's really important to give people their days off, especially clumped together because, you know, it's very different to have your three days a week off spread out through the week and, uh, and having them clumped together, you know. So people, they want them, they want them together, they want on weekends, they want consecutive days off and, you know, it's good having that. Because even in summer, we were still closed Monday, Tuesdays. Oh, wow. So we, we really could have capitalised on Monday, Tuesday trade. But, yeah. you know, it's really important to us to keep that balance and our staff and our culture happy. Yeah. You know, and um, it's, it's, uh, that's probably probably bigger than the food, to be honest, is keeping the staff happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's important. And I have this great thing, and I haven't brought it up lately, but I often bring it up in conversations, is this idea of... Um, you know, whatever the emotion of the chef is goes into the food. And I, there's that book, like, Water for Hot Chocolate, and it's the chef, whenever she cooks something, the people then eat her food and they experience the same emotion that she had. But I do think, you know, um, well, I would love to think that happy kitchens make happy food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, honestly, like, you can really tell if a team clicks, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, the food will come out probably better and tastier but it also comes out more efficient and mm. the service is better because mm. everyone can get along and there's teamwork involved and you know a lot of things that customers don't see is you know it, it is a it is a, a bit of a symphony in the kitchen where you like you've got an orchestra you got an orchestrator and then you, everyone else is sort of playing their instruments you know so it's very hard to do that where people don't like each other or respect each other so it's you know what a customer doesn't see is when a kitchen is clicking and the food's coming out efficiently it's mm. coming out nice it's coming out hot and you know I think that's probably the biggest thing and I feel as though you know without I mean you mentioned being young so I'm just going to say you know as a young chef are you in that generation where um, you haven't experienced that shouty chef uh, uh, situation or have, has there been some of that as oh, well oh yeah of course absolutely like, I've been, I might be very young but I've been in kitchen I've been in kitchen since I was six years old Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. So it, it's, it's just, um, and I think in Australia it's changed absolutely. Like um, I, I've cooked, I've cooked as an adult in Australia, and it's been really great. Honestly, like it's been a great environment to be in. Yeah, you work very hard and you work very long hours, um, but uh, I've been very lucky to have really good mentors who haven't been that sort of tyranty, you know, like you know, e- egotistical chef, you know. And I've also worked in London where it has been that I've been surrounded by people that, you know, mm. are just there to sort of, you know, what's, like big dog you, you know, like uh, undermine you, you know, yeah. bring, bring you down, break you down to sort of, and they want to try to build you up. And honestly, the biggest thing I learned was what not to be, mm. you know, like, yeah, cool. You learn great skills cooking overseas, but I was like, I want, I don't want to be this person. I want to be a a good cook I want to be an asset but I don't want to be an asshole about it mm. you know so that, that that was my biggest thing and that's pretty much uh, moulded my management style to what it is today yeah um, you know you'll never see me raise my voice and like I'll, I'll it's just it's more about respect a respect thing like you, you respect me as a human being first and as a chef yeah and then and then we can all cook great food and you know have a great service have a great restaurant like why, why wouldn't you want that Yes, yeah. now, that's exactly right. Does it? Are there pressure points? Are there for you in the kitchen though? I mean, obviously, but there's you know you've got to get things out on time. You're working with sharp knives and um, hot stoves and ovens. How do you manage that? Well, this is part of the trade. Yeah. Um, you learn. You learn to adapt, and you learn to cook, and you learn how to cook safely. And um, 
honestly, I don't feel any safer than, like, going for a walk, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, like, being around the stove and cooking and using sharp knives, like, you just know it, you, your confidence, it's all about being confident as well, and um, I feel safe in the kitchen, and as long as you, it's my job to make it safe for the team, mm. and, you know, obviously, Matt's in the kitchen, and you know, you know, you you, you do the you do the little things to help you help your team succeed, and um, if you keep if you keep it so keep it in a nice environment for them, then everyone can enjoy their their workplace. You know, simple as that. What happens if someone makes a mistake, or do they not make mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, mistakes happen in every kitchen. If anyone yeah. says otherwise, it's a they're lying to you. Um, but you know. Well, it's a it's a learning it's a learning curve, you know. If if it's a lack of leadership, I'll probably say, you know, it's my bad for not communicating enough. But if I have communicated, then yeah, there's a, it's a further conversation. Um, mm. You know, yeah, there might be a little bit of a you know more of a blunt response than usual. <laughs> but uh, well, if it's in service, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's more of a uh, yeah, you know, like we don't have time to have a full blown conversation about it there and then. Like we just just don't, you know. Mm. When you got a hundred people in the dining room waiting for food um especially a tasting menu because you know it's 100 times 10 plates you know so it's a thousand plates of service so if you think about that like i can't stand there and tell my apprentice to you know okay this is what you did wrong i'm like so sometimes it it, it does come across blunt um but then you always have after service you know and you always have to put your time in you know you might not want to but you have to put time into people mm. And um, if you want a good team and a good culture, that's what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And as you say that you have had some really great mentors, um, you know, I actually have never had a, ch- a chat. Well, I've spoken to Scott Pickett, but I haven't sat down with him, but I've spoken to lots of his chefs. And I really love him. I love what he does. I love the restaurants and so on. But then I also noticed that um, Stephen Nelson was a, um, a oh, yeah. mentor as well. And I'd ch- I've spoken to him at yeah. the recreation as well. Absolutely. So. absolutely. Good so, people. Oh, amazing people. And honestly, like, couldn't have been luckier as a, as a young chef to uh, be under these sort of people. Like, Steve-O was pretty much my first head chef, you know. I started my apprenticeship with Jacques Ramond and steve was there. You know, and uh, working at the bistro. So I, I spent three years with, uh, I spent three years with Steve-O. And, you know, not just, not just the, um, you know, I mentor as a cook, but just as a young man, you know, being around that sort of, you know, person that is so calm under um, those really, really pushing situations and service and, you know, dealing with a chef like Jacques and, you know, how he sort of managed the team and him. Um, and then... Yeah, I just got got really close to Steve-O. And then when I went to London, I came back, we opened up the recreation. So um, I was sous chef there when it first opened. Uh, It was very daunting. Very, I was very young, but like, you know, just, it was good. Also just cooking with Steve-O and, you know, when we got the the first hat, it was just like, man, this is, this is the best. Like, I I loved it. Just, just for what he's worked for, because he's one of the hardest working men I've ever worked for. He's so humble, you know. Uh, incredibly, like, incredibly. Boy from Canberra, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and just like, just smashing it. And then, uh, then you got someone like Scott, who's, uh, you know, extroverted and, you know, out there. Um, and, you know, very, di- very different form of management, but um, uh, an amazing operator, you know, to operate nine plus restaurants um, and still have time to call you and say, hey, how was your weekend? Like, that's, that, that, that's what I call respect and um, 
you know, I couldn't ask for any be- um, better mentors and, you know, very lucky and, you know, to and for all these guys to push me and, you know, not just uh, cooking-wise, but, you know, now that my name is sort of getting out there a little bit more, um, it really helps when I have the support of people like that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to you being six and in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me about that. So obviously, because I often say, you know, did you know always know you wanted to be a chef? And I guess you did. I was very lucky. Yes, absolutely. Um, my f- dad had restaurants growing up. Mm. Um, like literally, me and my sisters were living upstairs. So we had a, so we had a pizza shop in Hoppers Crossing. So I grew up in the western western suburbs. So I'm a sunshine boy, and um, yeah, we had a. Uh, pizza restaurant at Hopper's Crossing and we actually lived upstairs so dad used to you know work downstairs all the time then you know mum used to be upstairs uh, unfortunately they uh, divorced and then my dad moved to uh, Bentley where he opened another, another pizza shop and um, every day after school I used to take the train from uh, Sunshine to Bentley and then yeah I used to work there after school um, so yeah I used to wash dishes for about 6 till 12 then started cooking at about 12 and then I left school when I was 17. So I've been cooking since, actually cooking since I was 12, essentially. Wow. Um, pizzas, bistros, cafes, um, three hat, one hat. <laughs> like, I've just literally done it all, which is good. And, um, like, if I had to give one piece of advice to young chefs is try everything, you know. Don't just go into a, straight into the top restaurants in, you know, Australia or Victoria and think that's it. You know, like it's just it's an amazing experience. People you meet cooking in different uh, situations, different restaurants, is you know is a, is awesome, honestly. And that, that's that's why I love hospitality. Different sorts of people, different sorts of restaurants, mm. and that's cooking. Yeah. Uh, that's it, just cooking dinner, cooking lunch. Yeah, very simple. That's so interesting, and I think you know, obviously, there come there must have come a point in time when you chose to then continue with that. Um, having been brought up in it but what 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 is it about cooking and food that you feel so drawn to um i think uh, as i got older i noticed that like my sort of personality I, i'm very much a giver um and, and, and a feeder at times <laughs> as well so um i just love feeding people essentially and i, I love st- and i think with cooking um it stimulate it stimulates the mind quite a, quite a quite a lot especially being cre- i'm so creative like I just love making dishes and running restaurants. You know that, that that's that's my passion and that's the drive. You know, even when I was younger, um, it was all about just getting better as a cook because I knew that I had the creativity and I, but I just needed the skill set to you know back it up because you know you can you you can think of as as many dishes as you want, but if you can't cook them, you can't cook them. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, I I just I just knew that being in such an industry where I could work hard for one, be creative, be skilled at something, um, it just ticks so many boxes for me. And, um, you know, and I just love, I love eating as well. Like, it's, I couldn't think of anything better just to eat and drink in, in Melbourne or, you know, I'm going to Greece in August for a month so as well. So, like, wow. I've been like, oh, every time I think about it, I, I have to stop thinking about it because, like, <laughs> when I think about it, I just, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's one of those things I just love. I, I, I do love, and I, I'm a for life in this industry. I, I say that all the time. Like I would, ru- I would do nothing else yep. if it wasn't hospitality. Yeah, yep. it's incredible. 
I've been loving seeing your Instagram posts, and um, and I know that Audrey's is got a really big seafood focus, which is of course is exquisite being by the sea and yeah. eating seafood. But I really love um, you're doing everything here, so all the filleting and the preparing of the fish, and that's yeah. gone out the window in lots of restaurants because it takes time. Yeah. I guess maybe in fine dining you have to do that, but or not. What do you think? Um, well, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you very simply. Um, uh, but yes, we are seafood focused. Being down here, the brief. Uh, so the story of Audrey's is um, Scott's grandmother used to take him for a fisherman's basket most Sundays, and this was an ode to Audrey. Um, and we really wanted to um, showcase not just Victorian seafood but Australian seafood. You know, we, we like we didn't stick to like I'll be I'll be daft not to use Tasmanian sea urchin or you know uh, Northern Queensland tuna or, or whatnot. You know, so. Um, we use seafood all over, all over Australia. And yeah, what I can fill it, I will fill it, you know, just to stimulate not just the, not just the guests, but the boys and girls in the kitchen, you know, because I feel like if they're not learning uh, in this kitchen, then it's probably not the place for you, Yeah. you know. So it's really important for the staff to learn and, and as, as well as myself to learn. So yeah, at the moment, we've got King, whole King George Whiting's in. We've got some whole, tuna, whole tuna's in uh, lately as well. Dealing with great suppliers, um, some local divers around Rosebud as well, which is a, yeah. a, a, a bit of a treat, you know. So, yeah, what we can do in-house, we will do in-house. But, for example, like the bread situation, if I believe that I can't make a better product than someone else, then I'll be more than happy to use their products. So, local bakeries like Rice Sourdough. Um, and, yeah, so, but the brief in here, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, we're just trying to display great seafood um, with great local produce, um, and yeah, just like you, you won't see, you won't see me, you know, trying to push the boundaries. It's just a beautiful piece of fish, beautiful garnish, beautiful sauce, and um, yeah, that ability to sort of have restraints a little bit because mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course, you just want to put more and more and more and more and more and more and more on plates. Um, you can't can't do that because sometimes people just be like, I just want some nice food, mate. <laughs> sometimes it's just like that so not afraid to just put a piece of raw fish on a plate with a simple dressing or yeah. you know or if it's a baked um, baked uh, King George wine some fresh pasta that we make you know I just saw that story and then I saw someone going you ruined a good piece of fish I was like what you can't say that to a chef uh, um, and pe- that keyboard looked, warriors that looked delicious <laughs> yeah. it was so it looked so I had, I've never seen that before yeah that, that idea of pouring that pasta over the top of that beautiful yeah. Um, what was he talking about? The crispy skin. That's right. Yeah. Um, but um. But you know, here's what it is. But it's the internet. Yeah. Uh, no, it's right. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't even know that person. You know. So it's like, um. But yeah, you, you don't know the backstory. Like we're not trying to get a crispy skin. It's just, it's just a baked uh, piece of fish. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what King the dishes. King cooks in three minutes, mate. Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't to get crispy skin in three minutes. Um. So yeah. But like, like, like I said, the beautiful, simple garnish, a bit of fresh pasta, a bit of caviar. Some fresh oh uh, peas. I loved it. I, I just looked at it and just thought, I want to eat that. Because it looked like it would be, um, yeah, like all the different textures and things yeah. as well. And just a bit of salty from the caviar and the... Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. We, and we smoke, we smoke the butter that we put in the sauce as well. So you get a hint of smoke. And then just, like, just a little bit of tech, a little bit of like, you know, chefy skills with uh, like simple sauce techniques and, you know, simple cooking. And then like, if you, the more layers you put... In this, in these things, without adding ingredients, mm. yeah, it really like makes a, a dish that's remembered and you know it's it's, it's beautifully tasty because 
you don't have to add ingredients to make things beautiful like simple as that you don't have to add more and more ingredients to make a dish better yeah. you just need to add technique uh, and you, technique can get you so far it's interesting though isn't it because you're saying you know it's just a simple dish but i think sometimes um those simple dishes can be hard because you've got to have those different layers as you say of technique and um yeah and yeah. just the quality of the product i suppose yeah, exactly so. right. that's what makes chefs different that's what makes chefs a chef yeah you know they, they they think about you know not just um how like what what the ingredient is like how they're gonna prepare the ingredient how they're gonna make the sauce and that it's an art. It's a, it's almost an art form uh, to make it to make a beautiful sauce and a beautiful garnish for such a simple fish. But yeah, as long as people are enjoying the food, then it's good. How often do you does that tasting menu change? Weekly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> um, so we got our we got one signature this year, which is our squid noodles. That's never that, that have never that's never changed. But everything else, just due to well, it's the ocean, isn't it? So. Um, and I, I we tend to use a we do, we do use farm fish, but if I can get some wild caught fish, I'll use that. So King George Whiting, I'll use that for as long as it's it's available. Then it might be um, Lake Entrance, John Dory, um, you know. And then if it's uh, Hapuka one week, if it's Blue Eye the other week, um, it just ha- it just sort of natural uh, sort of natural sort of rotation, and it's good. But that sort of forces me and the team to think of new dishes or new yeah. garnishes and. Really, really pushes a team to think out of the box because it can be very easy just to do the same dish with a different fish. Yeah, you know, so we can we can do this this garnish with the with six different fish. It'll, it'll taste great, but I feel that's not really just that's not really justifying what we do for a living or a, and as a job. You know, I think mm. it's our it's our job and it's our, our responsible to bring new dishes to the table. Mm. And um, Scott gives me a lot of freedom in this room. Uh, to do do their own menu, um, but having him there as well, so I can send him a dish and he'll he'll just give us some feedback on it, and it's great to sort of you know that's how I sort of keep in contact with Scott and if I'm on the right track with the food, if I'm fitting with the brief, and there's just a lot of things going on. So um, yeah, I kind of like changing things a lot as well. It keeps us on our toes. Like think about Steve as well. Um, he probably would have told you this, but he's changed the menu on a Friday night at six o'clock. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, these massive Blackwater specials that we used to go down at six o'clock on a Friday. I'm like, okay, cool. So, uh, but yeah, you just love that. Yeah. You know, it pushes you. Yeah. You know, because I think every chef's got a little a little switch, you know, and you need you need you need, like, you need to scratch. Oh, sorry, in each sorry, you need to scratch it. Yeah. So um, yeah, having a bit of a push in it every now and then is good. And how do you? I mean, balancing out is it? You say ten courses. Uh, so it's ten plates. Ten so plates. it's um, so we have our snacks. We have so we have five snacks, and then that gets broken into sort of three plates. Oh yeah. And then we roll into five seafood courses, and then we also offer a um, a meat supplement. So just because we're a coastal uh, seafood restaurant, that's mean we don't offer. Um, so we offer Blackmore Wagyu or Great Ocean Road Duck. You know, so if we're going to use a, a meat poultry or uh, other protein we're going to use the best mm. so yeah they have a Blackmore Wagyu from Alexandra Great Ocean Road Duck from Port Campbell um, you know some local uh, Hastings Spring Lamb uh, last year which is which is amazing and trying to look for some um, gay meats at the, at the moment as well like mm. I'd love to do some venison here in this room I think this room can definitely carry a, like a sort of deeper cut like that and uh, then we roll into a pre-dessert and dessert so mm. Um, yeah, there is a lot of plates, and you know, I think that these tables are so big and they're so grand. Like I just love filling up tables. 
you know, and, you know. Well, that's that feasting aspect, Yeah, exactly, exactly right. <laughs> How I grew up, like, I grew up in a Greek household, and, like, we never just got a plate of food in front of us. It was ten plates in the middle of the table, and then we all our plates were empty. Yeah. So we'd just be making our own plates, you know, and yeah. that, like, that, that's what I love, and that's what, I, you know, so I love bringing in that fine, I guess, I hate the word fine dining, but fine dining aspect, um, and that homely aspect as well, because this, this room is named after... A grandma, it's supposed to be comfortable, you know, and I just love the fact that we can sort of um, intertwine those two worlds, you know. Because mm. if, if I can do like a, a sharing entree or a sharing um, a side with the main course, I'll do it. And I'm not afraid to do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just, I just, just want to fill these tables. They're so big and so grand. Like, it would be a shame to be, have like empty in the middle. And, and we don't have any candles or flowers in the middle of the table. It's just... It's just pure. It's just a it's just a table set, you know. So that, that's that's quite rare for a restaurant. So yeah, um, yeah. And I know when I spoke to you um, back in twenty twenty one for the broadsheet cookbook home, and you we talked about your Madeline the um, sweet, sweet corn Madeline with Espelette and the blues from a crab, yeah. and that was from the place you'd worked at in London. Was that right? Uh, so it was inspired by what we did in London. Yeah. So I used to work at a restaurant called Poland Street Social. And uh, we did a sweet corn muffin with Ooh. a little dill cream. That's right. Um, so, yeah, grab, grab that base and then it put into a Madeleine mould. And, um, yeah, we, we put that on the menu at Federic. So that was my first head chef job. That's right. Um, at Federic, with, um, back with the Ramon. So worked with the Ramons for three years. Went to London. Uh, did my uh, rounds with uh, Steve-O in, uh, down the peninsula. And then had the opportunity to come back to the Ramons. And we opened Federic, uh, which was great. It was... Uh, very, it's an eye-opener to the world of being a chef. My first head chef role, and again, I think I was 24 wow. when, that, when, that was the, when that opened. So I um, had a lot to learn. I knew I could cook, but I, did, I had no idea about management and, you know, um, you know, managing people. And that was good. But then um, six months later, unfortunately, COVID happened. So yeah. um, we had a really good first year. And then obviously um, yeah, COVID happens and... Had opportunity. We reopened a few times, uh, as everyone as everyone knows, um, through those breaks in COVID. But um, it just never really got off the ground, uh, unfortunately, just because we had so much, so many interruptions. And yeah, but I couldn't be more thankful to have that opportunity to open a restaurant like that so young, because it's it's really it's molded what I am today. And um, you know, I've I've been head chef of you know Estelle for a little bit, and then over here Audrey's, and I'm very I'm a very different person to what I was when I was 24 and you know I think I feel like I can sort of run any kitchen in the world to, to be fair I, I believe in myself like, and like that and um yeah I was going to ask you know the, the going to London thing lots of chefs do it and do you think that's necessary to go to another country um if uh, you're building a career yeah I think if you're looking to be in this career for a long time and uh maybe open a restaurant for yourself I think it's very important to work overseas uh, not just to be in the country, but you, it's a different way of cooking. It's a different way of uh, presenting yourself, a different way of professionalism, different way of uh, different guests as well. So why wouldn't you want to gain that experience? Like if you, if you really love this industry and wanted to be, be part of a bigger picture, then absolutely you should be cooking overseas and um, you know, talking to as many people as you want and cooking for as many people as you can and you know just because you like it's um an english-speaking country 
doesn't mean you're not going to learn a completely different world of cooking. You know, it's yeah. I was it was like it was a shock to me when I when I went to London. It was I was like I'm like I'm out of my depth here. So I've been cooking in a really nice team, one team, one dream. It was it was all these good things. Oh, my career was my career is um you know really on the up, and then you hit London, and I was like, oh my god, I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Um, so it was great. It was it was great being there, and you know adapting and growing and becoming a better cook and better person, um, and then just opening my eyes up a little bit, and uh, yeah. But you know, it, it's not it's not uh. Do it, do it. You don't, you don't have to do it, but I feel like it's really good for yourself and your personal growth to uh, go overseas and cook, absolutely. And now that you're here, and I mean, it seems like a silly question when you're surrounded by all this beauty and you've got all this great produce, but where do you get your inspiration? Um, inspira- inspiration. Uh, I think just from everyday life, you know. Um, yeah, it's just... I, eat, I, eat, I, I Sorry, I eat out a lot. Like even so, cafes or restaurants or, and and I'm always on my, I'm, a, I'm I'm been trying to change this, but I'm on my, I'm on my phone a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I love I love Instagram and like looking at what chefs are doing all around the world, and, and Australia, you know, like like the chefs in Sydney that I'm a big I'm big fans of, and like it's just even in Melbourne, there's people doing great things. So, um, just looking at what people are doing, um. And obviously, love going to markets and whatnot, and being around. And weather's a weather's a big one as well. Mm. So I love I love looking at the weather, and saying like, what would I eat on a hot day? What would I eat on a cold sunny day? Um, so that one's big for me. So like like last week, it was absolutely miserable down here. Like it was raining. It, was, it wasn't much sunlight. So I'm like, you know what? I feel like making pasta. So we so we made pasta. You know, and um, it's um yeah, it's inspiration for me is everywhere. You know, um, I've been talking to my girlfriend. She's like, you know, I haven't had roast pumpkin in ages, and like, it would just be a conversation, and like, it sort of click a little bit, um, and yeah, that's pretty much my main form of a. But yeah, Instagram's a big one. <laughs> I feel like you know, I think chefs are a little bit ashamed to say like you know they go on Instagram a lot and <laughs> have a look at people, but uh, there's so much food on there's so much food on the internet, and then like just like reels are a massive one as well. People just cooking and sourcing like. I've been trying to be quite active on Instagram and, you know, um, doing all that and displaying what we do here and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's not to flex or anything. It's just to sort of get it out there, mm-hmm. you know? Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. You've told me so much. I loved it. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> I could listen to you talk all day. Yeah. And that's another thing is it's not natural, you know, some chefs are used to just being back in the kitchen and, and not having to talk to media and all that kind of thing, but that's you know part of your role, I guess, as well as head chef. But you seem to be very uh, at ease talking about food and and your yeah. job, so that's great. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's my life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I really love doing these sort of things, um, and I, I want to do I want to do more of them, you know, because I love telling my story and I love telling, I love giving, teaching other people. Like oh, I just want everyone to grow grow together, and I, and I want my generation to be you know the best cooks Australia has seen you know and I want people to I want people to learn and I want people to you know you know have a, a, a similar passion to hospitality 
that, that uh, as well as well as I do, you know. So uh, I love doing this sort of stuff. Thank you very much for coming. Oh, no. I, I appreciate I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a drive to come here from Melbourne, but uh, oh, I've got a friend who's got whose parents have got a house, so I actually oh, stayed awesome. here. That, so, that, that's yeah. really handy. Yeah, really <laughs> so it made it easier yeah, this morning. Well, yeah, I, I, I was living in Yarraville when I was uh, when we first uh, opened here, so I was driving up and down. So I'm like, man, I need a friend that lives up here. Yeah, you, know, so you, you so live I'm, here now. I live here now. Yeah, yeah got a house down in Tookarook, so yeah. not, not not too far away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Nick Delajanis at Audrey's in Sorrento. You should definitely check out the photos on Instagram at Audrey's.Sorrento and also Nicholas underscore Delajanis. That's N I C H O L A S underscore D E L I G I A N N I S. Because there is some beautiful stuff happening there. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat at www.conversationwithachef.com and you know I'd love it if you told a friend about my chats. You can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts and then I know that you're there, which is good to know. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.